It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Robert Haney had taken a job as a handyman on a 20-acre farm in Weimar, Oregon. He had made a deal with the property owner to do handyman work in exchange for being able to park his trailer on the property and live there. When his children stopped hearing from him, they went out to the farm looking for him but found his trailer abandoned, his belongings all still there and his dog running free. The property owner said he left almost four months earlier and never returned. Authorities opened a missing persons case and when they tracked his food stamp card, they saw recent activity at a nearby Walmart. They went to the store and looked at the surveillance footage, but it wasn't Robert that was using the card. This is Monsters. Susan Monica was born on July 8, 1948 in California. Not much is known about her past, but she grew up in the San Francisco area. She had a brother and a sister. She explained during her police interview that her sister had Down syndrome and her mother couldn't handle having a child with a disability, so her sister was placed into a foster home in Santa Rosa. Susan said that she had been told her sister had passed away. She told the investigator that she was estranged from her brother. The last she knew he was living in South Dakota, was married and had kids, but that was 10 years ago. Susan was born male and served in the Navy during the Vietnam War. She was eventually honorably discharged and that's when she began living as a woman. During her interview, when asked what her birth name was, she wouldn't say. She said that only two or three people know her real name, and that's too many. Her mother died by the time she began living as a woman, but her father knew at the time. He has since passed away as well. After being discharged from the Navy, she became an engineer working on submarines in San Francisco and was very successful. I'm a pretty good engineer. I studied, studied engineering and architecture and mathematics. And, um, um, I never got a degree. Um, at the time, I figured it was um, kind of useless. I did um, 
I don't really. Um, uh, I was telling the other officers, um, I kind of like Star Trek, and I'm mostly uh, Vulcan, and I have a little bit of Klingon in there when I get mad, but... She talked about her personal life a little bit with the polygrapher who was called in during her interview with investigators. She described herself as a very logical person and gave this as an example. I was telling the, the one officer just a couple minutes ago that um, there are diseases like uh, sickle cell anemia that could be um, dealt with very simply by having people that have that gene to not have kids. And in one generation, we would not have that disease anymore. Sure. Yeah, that's called eugenics, Susan. There were a group of people who made the concept pretty well known in the 40s. They were called Nazis. It's not unusual for people who think the way that Susan does to not really do well amongst heavily populated society. She made comments throughout her police interview about how things that other people do bother her, and it seemed like she didn't get along with most people. This would make living somewhere like San Francisco probably not ideal for her. Eventually, she decided that she wanted to get away from the busy city, and in 1991, she bought a 20-acre farm in Weimar in southern Oregon, about 12 miles or 20 kilometers east of Grants Pass. She started off living off the grid, but eventually had electricity run to the property. She stayed isolated and didn't like people. She raised pigs and chickens and started her own company called White Queen Construction, where she welded wrought iron railings and fences. She built a large barn, and it seemed that she had a living space in the barn. By 2013, Susan had decided to build a house on the property and needed some help. She had advertised for help in various ways. Can you tell me again about the um, the help wanted ads that you would put up, like the mission and then the uh, no, I never Bolton put them up board. the mission. Oh, I thought I heard you say that on the way down. No, I went to I went to oh, you the went mission. to the mission. Went to the mission to yes. ask people if they want to work. Yeah, well, yeah, and um, I got people from the mission that would come out and work. I went and, to the unemployment office and nobody in the unemployment right. office. They didn't want to work. To work. <laughs> <laughs> but the people at the mission, some of them were willing to work. Uh -huh. And did you, when you would talk to the people at the mission, would you describe what you wanted them to do around the property? Pick up brush and put it on a pond. That was it. And what, what was, what were you going to give them in exchange for doing work? Money. How much did you pay them usually? Uh, I don't know, I think it was maybe seven bucks an hour then. Oh, okay. Well, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Probably more than they're going to make just sitting around at the mission, right? Yeah. Robert Haney was born on June 26, 1957. He was described as not being overly popular, not having many dates or friends. In his teens, he dropped out of high school and ran away with a friend, but I couldn't find any details about where they went. He eventually got into construction and met a woman named Thalia Larson. Robert and Thalia got married and over the years they had five children together. 
People described Robert as a hard worker who regularly worked six days a week to provide for his children, but his frequent absence created tension in his marriage. The problems at home made Robert focus more on his work, which only compounded the issue, and in 2003, Robert and Thalia divorced. Robert moved to Medford and took the four kids who were still at home with him. He was able to find good work to provide a stable life for his children, but once they were all out of the house, he decided he wanted to take advantage of his newfound freedom. He got a dog and bought a camper, which he towed with his truck. He was able to go wherever he wanted, find odd jobs, and live in his camper. It was a nomadic lifestyle that many people dream of after decades of being tied down to one place by the responsibilities of life in general. It's not clear exactly where Robert saw the advertisement for work on Susan's farm. She discussed going to the local mission and asking people if they wanted to work directly, but it doesn't seem that Robert ever stayed at the mission. She said she would also post a 3x5 card advertising work at local businesses, and there was a hint somewhere that she put up a Craigslist ad, but she doesn't seem to be the computer-using type, so I'm not sure how accurate that is. Robert saw an ad somewhere and contacted Susan about the job. In 2013, he made an agreement with her to help build her house in exchange for parking his camper on her 20-acre property and living there with his dog at a discounted rent. It seemed that he was still expected to pay her a small amount of rent and he would find other odd jobs in the area to help pay that. Weimer is an unincorporated community in Jackson County, Oregon. It's a 20-minute drive into Grant's Pass to the west, or a few more minutes to Medford to the southeast. Despite it being an extremely rural area, it seemed that it wasn't rural enough for Susan. She had a neighbor who she didn't get along with, and it seemed she had joked about killing her and feeding her to her pigs. She mentions them multiple times to investigators. If, if I were to kill anybody, it would have been those girls across the street. Because it was because of them I lost my hair. From stress? Yes. Susan would explain that it was just her sick sense of humor and she would never actually kill anybody. She told investigators that she believed that human meat wasn't good for pigs and she cared too much about her animals to make them sick. On January 1st, 2014, Robert's children hadn't seen or heard from their father for quite a few months. They told investigators that they usually heard from him pretty regularly and after having so much time pass without being able to get in touch with him, they went out to the farm to look for him. They met in Medford and drove to the property in Weimar, where they spoke with Susan. She told them that Robert had quit in September with no notice, and she hadn't seen him since. It was at that point that Robert's children went to the Jackson County Sheriff's Office and reported him missing. They told deputies that his trailer was still on Susan's property and all of his belongings were still there. It was as if he had left, but didn't bring any of his clothes or tools. They said that he took a lot of pride in his work and kept his tools very organized, but that they were all strewn about near his camper. They also explained that he had left his dog, something that authorities thought was suspicious. 
Investigators went to the farm and took a look at Robert's property. They agreed that it seemed like he had left a lot of personal items behind for someone who had planned to leave. They questioned Susan, who elaborated on what she had told Robert's children. They said that she was friendly and helpful. Not long before he went missing, Robert's daughter was sexually assaulted and it seemed that Robert wanted revenge. And you had mentioned something before about Robert saying that his daughter had been raped. Yes, he mentioned that several times, mostly when, you know, he got really drunk. Susan said that Robert had gotten a call from his daughter saying she had been raped and the situation understandably caused him stress, which made him start drinking more. A neighbor did say that he could be hard to deal with when he was drunk. Susan told authorities that on September 9th, 2013, she was going to confront him about his drinking, but before she could, he approached her, gave her some money, and asked her to take care of his dog. He told her that he had to go take care of something. She said that he got into a white sedan with a male driver and left. She assumed that he was going to come back, but he never did. Susan claimed that he had mentioned something about going to find the person who assaulted his daughter, which made the investigators think that he may have confronted that person. They wondered if he had possibly gotten into a confrontation that he didn't make it out of alive. Investigators couldn't track his movements with bank records because he worked for cash and didn't have a checking account, but they found out that he did have an Oregon Trail card. An Oregon Trail card is what's used to provide residents of Oregon welfare benefits. If somebody is receiving food stamps or cash assistance, it will be loaded monthly onto the Oregon Trail card, and they can use it at grocery stores and retailers like a debit card. Investigators looked up the most recent transaction on the card and found that it had been used in December of 2013 at a Walmart in Grants Pass. This was good news. The investigators thought Robert must still be in the area and figured he was working in Grants Pass. They went to the Walmart and looked at the surveillance video to verify that it was Robert using the card, but what they saw in the video was not what they were hoping for. It wasn't Robert using his Oregon Trail card, but Susan. Authorities got a search warrant for Susan's property and charged her with identity theft. Investigators confronted her about using the card, and though she became visibly nervous, she explained that Robert had given her permission to use the card when she went to the store so she could pick him up beer and food while she was out. She said she kept using the card after he left so she could feed his dog, but stopped using it when it expired, and then she burned it. When he, um, about how long had he been there, like, about when he said, hey, you know, here's my Oregon Trail card, my pin number, can you go grab me some beer, and, you know, whatever else? Um, a couple months. He'd been there a couple months? Yeah. And when... Um, when he gave you the, the trail card, it was just from, just verbal. You said he didn't write it down or anything like that? Yeah. Okay. And so was, was this a one-time thing where he said, go get beer and then, or, or what, what, how'd that go down? Um. Like, did he say, like, go just run to the store really quick and, yeah, and he, he, the... he, 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 he said he needed, uh, I, I, I said I was going into town. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hypothesizing 
as to the um, conversation. Right. Uh, I saw him. I said, I'm going into town. Do you want anything? He gave me the card, gave me the PIN number, and I said, get me some beer and coffee. That, that I, I do remember the beer and coffee thing. Okay. While investigators were searching the property, they said there were piles of garbage and old food waste. It seemed that there was no running water or septic system, but I'm not sure how accurate that is. While one of the investigators was documenting the property with a video camera, he found a human leg on the property. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At that point, they took Susan to the station for an interview, but they hadn't told her about the discovery yet. They start off by getting more details about her use of Robert's Oregon Trail card. They have a pretty reasonable suspicion that he's dead and want to find out just how much she's used his benefits after his death. Of course, Susan thinks she's smarter than the investigators and tries to claim the warrant is inaccurate. Um, and it's designated by Jackson County Planning Department with a tax lot number and the lot number and mm -hmm. indicates you as the sole owner since mm -hmm. 1999. And there it, you go. Say that again. The sole owner since 1999. Okay. Uh, we're done. That warrant is inaccurate. Okay. And so I figure if, if it's inaccurate, any and, how do they put it? And any, any and all information received in a warrant that's not correct is okay. not. Well, you know that I, that I was talking to you about Robert Haney's Oregon Trail card, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The warrant lists the date that she became the owner of the property as being 1999, which isn't true. She purchased the property in 1991, but the warrant is just stating what the county has in their property records. Her owning the property longer than that doesn't actually affect the details of their investigation. They're looking for evidence of a crime that was committed in 2013 at the earliest. Susan thinks this is some gotcha moment, but the detective completely ignores her and moves on to the questioning. Do you think you'd remember that first transaction using Robert's Oregon Trail card when he was gone, like after he had gotten in the white car and left, and, and he hadn't returned? You said that he left his dog, gave you $20. Yeah. And so some time probably, probably passed. Before you, you know, at least a couple weeks, you had to have been thinking, you know, well, he hasn't returned for his dog, and you know what's going on here. I'm confused. Well, I, I, I was, you know, confused a little bit, but like I say, um, even when I saw him, it was sporadic. Sure. Um, I, and sometimes I won't see him for a week. Yes. Um. Uh, but a guy's got to get food to eat, so I mean, he'd eventually run well, out of food, there. and you've got his Oregon Trail card. Well, I mean, he, well, like I say, he wasn't there, so right. But did that was that concerning to you that here he is, he's gone, he's left you his Oregon Trail card, and you know, I mean, you only get one Oregon Trail card, you know what I mean? So, and he doesn't have a job, 
So I, I, didn't, didn't, get I, I, I didn't know that. The, the, the day or the two days before that, um, be, the day or two days before the time that he gave me the 20 bucks, um, I had the card. But he didn't ask me for the card or anything, and I right. didn't really think about the card. But, well, where, where was I going? Um, um, well, I forget where I was going. Um, but it was uh, uh, a couple of weeks. Oh, that, uh, that, that's what it was. Um, when, when he left, I didn't think he needed, uh, I didn't think about the card. Oh, okay. But you mentioned him needing food. That's where I was going. I figured if he had gone to Ashland and was working, he had money to buy food. The detective is thinking the same thing I was when I heard this part of the story. If he willingly left, why wouldn't he take his Oregon Trail card with him? How is he going to buy food? Yes, he may be working and able to buy food with the cash he makes, but it still seems unusual that he wouldn't take his food stamp card with him so he could buy food with that instead of the cash he made from working. It definitely makes it seem like his disappearance involved foul play. So you said that there were a few transactions where he said, um, take my card, here's the number, and uh, you know, buy yourself some for having to go to the store right. and gas yeah. money, whatever. Right, that's kind um, of the way it goes. So then... After um, after he was gone for a while, and yes. he hadn't come back for his dog and everything, when did you decide to continue using the card? A couple, three weeks. Okay. Why? Uh, why not, I guess. Well, I mean, it's someone else's card. I mean, he, gave you, he did give you permission originally to use it, but he's yeah. not around anymore. Well, I figured he was going to show up. And then, okay. Why? Uh, Why did you think he was going to show up? Just because he... Well, he had all the stuff there. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't see anybody walking off. And, I mean, he'd, you know, he'd give me those two trailers for rent, you know, and... Uh, but all, he left all of his possessions behind that you know of? Yeah. And that was strange to you? Well, like I said, you know, he, he had left with somebody. Mm -hmm. So, and I, uh, I was under the impression that he was doing something in Ashland. This was also my next thought. If she believed that he was going to come back, why would she use his benefits? Wouldn't he want to use his benefits after he got back? This makes it seem like she knew he wasn't coming back. There was no reason to save the food stamps for him since she knew he would never be able to use them. But. Um, did you end up using the amount during those months? Did you use it up and then you had to wait for it to recharge and then use it up and then wait for it to recharge? Yeah. Okay, so so each month you used the, whatever the allotted amount was on the card. Who knows how much it was? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and then you held on to the card until it would recharge again and yeah. then go get, get well, some more food? Yeah. And, I was, so, and then um, um, last last week... I called, and there wasn't anything on the card, so I just threw it away. You said you burned it? Yeah. Okay. Well, then why, a couple months ago when it ran out of food, why wouldn't you have burned it? Or ran out of money? Why well, did you burn it back then? Because I waited until the first of the month. Oh, okay. But it still ran out of money, and and then why, why three months later, I guess, would you burn his card? Because it didn't have any money on it this month. 
So, oh, I see what you're saying. So it just never recharged, like it expired sort yes. of thing? Yes. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Otherwise, you would have used it. Yes. Oh, okay. Most, most likely. That makes sense. She continued using the card every month and used up all of the benefits. Eventually, the state stopped loading the benefits onto the card. In order for a person to continue using a benefits card like that, there are things they have to do to maintain an active account with the Oregon Department of Human Services. Eventually, they found that Robert wasn't maintaining his account and the card expired. It seemed that at the beginning of January, DHS didn't add funds to the card, so Susan burned it. She didn't just throw it away. She burned it like she was destroying evidence. It was definitely suspicious. This was only the beginning, though, because they had already found a human leg on her property. They hadn't tested the leg to verify that it belonged to Robert, but they were pretty sure that it did. Eventually, the detective dropped the bomb on Susan. Susan, so, we found a leg by your house. We found a leg right next to your place. A leg? A human leg next to your place. I think it might be Robert. Uh, don't know. Who could it be? No idea. You think it might be Robert? Um, I, I guess I should ask where where it was if it was down there by his trailer. No, it was right next to your place. Um, Just a few feet from your place. I don't know then. If it were if it were down by the his trailer, he might have fallen down the hill or something. But if it was up at my place, I don't know. That's it. Do you think it's kind of strange that there's a leg right next to your place? Uh, very. Does it concern you? Uh, yes. Do you think um, it might be Robert? Um, it, it could be, but I can't understand why, um, if, if, we're, I can't understand how it, hmm, I can't understand how it would get there, because I can't see him having an accident up by my place. How do you think it got there? Um, What's your best reasoning for how it got there? My, um, coyote? Um, I, other, I have no idea. You'll notice that she only refers to how Robert's leg could have gotten near her house after he had an accident. At this point, she's claiming she has no knowledge of why there would be a leg on her property or who it would belong to. The detective seems to have a gut feeling that the pigs were involved in Robert's death and asked Susan if he had any interaction with the pigs. She said that Robert never fed the pigs and never went into their pen. She assured the detectives that her pigs were friendly, but said it's possible that pigs will eat a human being. When the detective asked if it was possible that Robert went into the pen and got eaten by the pigs, she said it was a possibility. But that, that would also mean that he had came back after he had left and 
um, I don't know what I don't, I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the reason would be for him to go into the pig pen um, when when he came back without seeing me or something. Right. But like you said, it still wouldn't really explain a leg being up right up by your house. According to Susan, she had not seen Robert since he left in the white car in September. She didn't know why he would return and then go into the pen before she even saw him. She told the detective that she's not even sure if he's telling the truth. Of course, authorities lie to suspects all the time and are legally allowed to, but this time they weren't. Detective Eric Fox, who was the deputy medical examiner for Jackson County, came into the room and showed Susan a picture of the leg. This seems to get Susan worked up to where she's visibly agitated. He then goes on to tell her that they're searching her property for the rest of the body. Susan, our intention is to go the, um, find the rest of this person. Yes. Okay. Um, and we're going to search. Yes. Until we do find the rest of this person. Uh, and then we're going to compare. You know, we're going to make sure that the parts that we find do belong to the same person. And then we're going to get DNA and we're going to compare and make sure either it's Robert or if it's somebody else. Well, I mean, if... If... if 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 the leg bone is Robert's, then any other bones that you find out there that are a human would most likely be his. I can't. Right. Know. And then obviously we're going to analyze whatever we find. If we find any, you know, we'll be looking for evidence of trauma, you know. Yes. Either accident, trauma, or even, you know, homicidal yes. trauma. You yes. know, yes. bullet holes, uh marks from, uh, you know, sharp instruments or anything that, you know, can touch a bone. And uh, then if we find that kind of evidence on him, say there is a bullet hole in him, say there is a mark that is from a sharp in instrument, we can analyze that mark and actually see yes. what metal is in there and the yes. particles and yeah. compare that to anything that right. somebody may have in their home or or in their possession. Yes. And we clearly want to make sure that that happens. And we need to know if you have any knowledge of anything that happened to him, that now would probably be the time to tell us. At this point, Susan realized that her story wasn't going to hold up. She knew that there were more body parts on her property and that they definitely belonged to Robert. I don't know when, but uh, sometime about a week after Bobby had called, I went down and... Uh, He was like half eaten. He was by what? By the pigs. Okay. 
I don't, he was like half eaten by the pigs. It was early in the morning. And uh, I saw what had happened. Um, and um, his guts were all over the place. He was, he was still alive. I, I knew he wasn't going to be alive for more than, you know, a few more minutes. I went back up to my house and I got a gun and shot him in the head. Susan mentions that this happened about a week after Bobby called. Bobby is Robert's son and he had called looking for his father before they finally went to the farm in person. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Susan changed her story and told investigators that she had put Robert out of his misery when she found him being eaten alive by her pigs. Now her story matches what authorities will find on her farm, specifically Robert's skull, which has a bullet hole in it. But why not call 911 when she found Robert in the pen? I didn't want my pigs to be shot for not for not doing something that the natural causes. Well, pigs get hungry. You know, if, if he was out there, I don't know what happened to start with. If he went out and started doing something to them, I can't see. I can't see that my pigs would go ahead and do something to somebody without cause. That have always been very friendly with me. They still are very friendly with me. Uh, and uh, I didn't want to say anything, and because I was afraid you were going to go out and shoot my pigs. Her reasoning is that she didn't want anyone to put down her pigs for attacking someone. This is the most emotional Susan will get over the entire 18 hours of interrogation footage. The thought of her pigs being killed is far worse than the thought of Robert dying. There was a point in the interview where she explained to investigators that she valued the lives of animals over humans. She believes that human beings are the worst thing on the planet and the earth would benefit if we all died. Based on her new story, she still had not seen Robert since he left in the white car, but one morning, she went out toward the pig pen and heard moaning. That's when she found him being eaten by her pigs. She claimed that she saw his arm move and heard him moaning, so she raced up to her house, got her twenty-two caliber pistol, and shot him in the head. After thinking about calling the police, she decided that it would be best to just let the pigs eat him, so she left him in the pen. A few days later, a few days later, when most of him was gone, uh, 
I went in there and I picked up the clothes. I picked up the, the few parts that were left. What was left? Uh, that was the, uh, uh, the skull and um, uh, an arm. and I, I'm not sure. I know there was the skull. Uh, if you if you go back out to my barn and when you go let me draw you a little picture uh, uh, if you go in here the main opening the, the, oh no the uh, the main opening this is the this this is my room oh okay I get you okay that's my room yeah if you if you if you go in the in the barn mm -hmm. There's a, a wall that comes all along here. Mm -hmm. There's an opening there. Is that where you took me and showed me his stuff? That yes. Opening? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, his that 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 room there. His stuff is over here. Okay. Brady's stuff is over here. Right. What's left of him is in a couple of plastic bags right there. Okay. Susan drew a map so investigators could find Robert's remains, which she had in a couple of large black garbage bags. The leg that had been found on Susan's property still hadn't been officially identified, so the detectives were still operating on the assumption that it could be somebody else. Let me rephrase this. Is it possible that we might find someone else out there or remains from another person on your property somewhere? Is that possible? Anything is possible. I don't know how you found that leg where over where it was. Okay. What if that I, leg's not Robert's? I, I. If it's not, I don't know who it would be. Anything's possible. That's a convenient blanket statement. It doesn't do much to convince the investigators that they aren't going to find the remains of other people on her property. Not only do they not believe that Susan just stumbled upon Robert being eaten by her pigs, they also don't think this was the first time she had killed somebody. Has she ever killed a person before this? No. Never? Have you ever been in a position where you almost had to? No. Did you ever point a rifle at anybody? No. Before? A person? No. Um, while I was in the Navy... Um, I threw hand grenades over the side of the boat. Um, I've never been in the position of uh, looking at somebody and shooting them. Right. We uh, took the uh, took the boat up in the, up into Vietnam, and uh, uh, we had this thing. If we saw something floating down the river, because the uh, Viet Cong would make a bomb and just float it into the boat. So, uh, if I saw something suspicious, I would throw a hand grenade at it. Susan assures the detectives that she had never killed anyone before Robert and even agrees to take a polygraph test. When the polygrapher arrives, they spend about an hour and a half talking about Susan's past and about the events surrounding Robert's death. When someone is given a polygraph test, the subject has to be interviewed by the polygrapher in order for them to be able to format the questions they're going to ask. 
Once the interview was complete, the polygrapher connected Susan to the computer and explained what all the connections were measuring. He began the test, and suddenly Susan was unable to sit still and seemed to have a persistent cough. Are you withholding any information concerning how Robert was actually first injured? So what happened? You weren't coughing the whole time we were talking. Oh well, I was trying to I was trying to relax and <clears throat> it was wasn't working. Okay. The constant movement from Susan makes it so the test can't be conducted. The polygrapher mentions that she wasn't coughing before the test started, and I can say she wasn't coughing during the entire seven hours she was being interviewed by other detectives. I also noticed that she didn't cough a single time after the polygrapher stopped the test. No matter your opinions on polygraph tests, her behavior is still suspicious. She has no problems before the test, then suddenly gets an uncontrollable cough during the test that magically goes away as soon as the test is stopped. Seems unlikely. Of course, this piqued the interest of the investigators and they continued to press Susan to tell them if there were any other remains on her property and she eventually came clean. I, it doesn't make sense. Just like Robert, it doesn't make sense. I have told you everything truthfully about Robert. I don't know how his body got out there to start with. I don't. There is something else that I don't want to say. That's that's just as bad. All you can do is tell me. But I'm it, here it, to listen. But it it doesn't make sense. That's the thing. Okay. I'm just going to listen. You tell me. Oh, God, give me another piece of paper. This just doesn't make any sense. Right there. About three feet down. There's part of another body. Okay. Stephen Delacino lived a few miles away and would do odd jobs for Susan. She described him riding his bike around the area, doing handyman work in exchange for beer. She also said that he would steal to get beer money. He went in. Um, uh, I had several guns, one of which was a little bitty five-shot revolver. Mm -hmm. uh, in my in my room, I had a a thirty odd six with a scope on it. Um, it I I shot it three times I think mm -hmm. up at a quarry, and it 
shot way off. Mm -hmm. And I never tried to shoot to, to I never tried to line it up, whatever you call it. Uh, um, Steve was a thief. He stole um, a lot of things from people. He, he lived about five miles up the road from me. He knew all the houses around, when people were there, when people weren't. By this point in the interview, Susan is really laying two things on really thick. The first was that what she had done doesn't make sense. She tells investigators over and over that Robert being in the pig pen doesn't make any sense, and that Stephen's death doesn't make any sense. This statement is true if you take Susan at her word. If you believe that she murdered these two men, then the story makes perfect sense. But the way she explains it, no, it doesn't make sense. She's hoping she can convince the investigators to believe her story and just accept that it doesn't make sense. The other detail that Susan continues to repeat is how much of a thief Stephen was. She told the investigators that a neighbor had caught him going through her purse multiple times and that he had stolen her log splitter. She said that he would only steal enough for beer money, but that he was always looking for stuff to steal. He came down to my place, and I confronted him on the, the guns that were missing. Okay? And he did get physical with me. I did, did. I did not. I did not think he would do that. He got physical with me, and uh, I told him that uh, I was pretty sure it was him that stole my my rifle, yeah. and I had a, 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 a three fifty six pistol. I had that, and I was, I told him I was pretty sure it was him that did it, because he was the type of person that did not ransack a place. He must meticulously. He was a meticulous thief. So things would disappear, kind of. P things things would disappear. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. She explained that they went into her room and she had pointed out where her two guns had been. She said that her pistol was under her pillow and her rifle was leaning against a wall. She said that her place had not been ransacked and other valuables weren't stolen, so she believed that Stephen had looked through her place, found the two guns, and only took them. She assumed that he had given the guns to someone for beer money. When she confronted him, he got upset and grabbed a third gun that she kept by her bed. She told the detective that him knowing where the third gun was confirmed to her that he had looked through her room. He, he grabbed a little pistol, and he said that um, 
you know, he doesn't want to go back to jail. Yeah. And he decided he was going to kill himself. So, um, he shot himself in the head. Right there in your home? Right, right there, right there. Where did he shoot um, himself in the head at? Well, that, that was the whole stupid thing. He, he shot himself, and then he ran out. And, but it's, I didn't, I, I didn't know it at the time. I always thought, you know, it, it was a little bitty gun. It, yeah. it wouldn't kill you, but mm-hmm. it would certainly hurt. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's five shots for crying out loud. So, uh, he, he went out of the room. He went around, uh, into, um, the, uh, that little hallway. Yeah. And I'm following him. Yeah. That was when it got even worse. Okay. And he emptied the gun in his own head. I could I could not believe it. I could not believe it, but it's just a twenty two with a little one inch barrel. And it was just going boom, boom and that Where did he shoot himself up? I mean in the head. He was you know, he was bleeding. Well, I mean did he you know, sometimes people point in different no, areas. No, no, I was I was I was holding on to him uh as best I could. Yeah. And he was going like this and, and shooting himself in the head and where, I don't know. Okay. He, w- he was shooting himself in the head. And then what happened? And um, after a fashion, um, he managed to, to do it. So according to Susan... In the summer of 2012, Stephen took a 22 caliber pistol and shot five rounds into his own head. After he succeeded in killing himself, Susan says she went inside to lie down. She claimed that she was inside for a few hours, and when she went back outside, the pigs had gotten to Stephen and were eating his body. Susan appears to have the unlucky habit of stumbling upon bodies being eaten by her pigs. At that point, she decided to leave him out there for the pigs to eat, and after a few weeks, she picked up his clothes and remains. All that was left was the skull and a few bones from his spine, which she buried behind her barn. The medical examiner came back into the room to express his disbelief in her story. Now, I'm going to tell you, one of the things I do is I'm a deputy medical examiner. That means... I realize what that is. Right. I examine people. I determine cause and manner of death. Yes. I've examined over a thousand people. Yes. And of those, probably about 500 that have committed suicide Mm -hmm. with handguns. Never have I in any literature or personally, or heard ever, ever, somebody shooting themselves five times in the head. I, ever. It is, I, no, I, no, what I'm, what I'm telling I, you I, is, I, is I, that I, doesn't I, happen. Let, let me I, tell you what, no, I, 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 what I, I'm I, seeing. I understand. I think, there's, I think there's a minute possibility, because I, I've listened to you enough, all right, about what's happened here. I think there's a minute possibility that maybe he did shoot, Steve did shoot himself one time. But you're kind of the person that would 
put somebody out of their misery if they were suffering. Such as what happened with Robert, the story you told about Robert. He's suffering, yes. isn't he? Yes. And you felt obligated to not have him suffer, just like any other animal. You don't want somebody to suffer, do you? Right. No. So what I'm saying when, when, is, when, is it when, I, when you when you find his skull, it's about three feet down because I it was about two feet when those other officers came out. Right. And there's going to be five holes in it, isn't there? There's going to be one hole in it, and five and four indentations. So you think it all went into the same hole? No. 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 We were we were we were wrestling with the stupid little. So thing. there's no way that he could have gotten all five shots into the same entry. No. No, I'm saying. So there would be. So these bounced off his head. Yes. There's four. But at some point, something went into yes, his head, right? There's, there, there, there's four. Um, there's four indentations mm -hmm. in his head and one hole. Susan said that she believed that four bullets bounced off his skull and one bullet went into his head. This, of course, is happening while she supposedly was pulling on his arm to get him to not shoot himself in the head. It's all very convoluted. Unfortunately, the detective suggested that Stephen did shoot himself once and that he possibly didn't die right away. So Susan shot him again to put him out of his misery. But I think that suggestion does a disservice to Stephen. I don't believe Stephen ever thought about taking his own life. I think Susan had some kind of problem with Stephen, shot him, and fed him to her pigs. Then, a year later, when she had a problem with Robert and realized she could use his Oregon Trail card, she shot him and fed him to her pigs as well. The idea that someone would commit suicide on your property and you wouldn't call 911 is ridiculous. Why did you not call the, why did you not call the police? Why did you hide this? I don't know. Tell me why you had this. If if he did this, you have a phone in your house, right? Yes. So you can call you could have called the police. Yes. You could have said, I tried to stop this guy, he shot himself, I even grabbed his arm, I tried to prevent him from killing himself. Um. Why didn't you? What happened? What happened with with I don't know and with I don't know why I didn't do that. When Robert died, she claimed that he had been eaten by her pigs and she didn't want them to be put down. But why not call the police when someone committed suicide on her property? After 12 hours in the interview room, Susan was placed in a holding cell while investigators searched her property. When they dug in the spot that Susan had marked on the map, they found the remains of Stephen and the medical examiner determined there were three to four bullet holes in his skull. The day after her first interview, Susan was brought back into the same room where she claimed to have had a revelation while laying in her cell. Basically, what I, um, what I had been trying to forget, I remembered laying there. Mm -hmm. uh, when... I came into the pen, 
His head was towards the west. Mm-hmm. He was belly up, and the pigs were on him. I tried to shoot him off, shoot, shoot them off, <coughs> and I went up to get my gun. And in those two minutes, when I got back, um, I think he did die. I was, I'm pretty sure he did die. Because, and this is the, this is the thing, um, he was, um, he was on his stomach, and his head was now pointed to the, the east. And, um, uh, let's see, um, Atlas, C1, C2, C3, right? I don't know. You don't know? As far as the vertebrae go? Yeah. 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 Atlas, C1, C2. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, My anatomy's way. Anyway, anyway, when I came up and saw him again, he was turned over. He was facing the other way. And that's why I say I remember now that when I shot him, I shot him, uh, I was standing on his left side, and I shot him about C1 or C2 at an angle coming out to the right orbital, which, you know, that's it. So it came out? I don't know. But that's... Did you look? No. No, I, I I was standing... But that's what we're going to find, is that what you're saying? Yes. Now, Susan is sure that Robert had died before she got back with the gun and shot him. Well, how convenient. During her interview the previous day, she said she didn't know exactly where she had shot Robert because she didn't look at him when she pulled the trigger. She turned her head and pointed the gun in his direction and fired. Now, she's very specific about where she shot him. So specific she's claiming it was at specific vertebrae, and he was definitely dead. Susan Monica was charged with two counts of murder, two counts of abuse of a corpse, and one count of identity theft. While she awaited trial, investigators spent weeks searching her property for more remains. She had a room full of personal belongings from other people that couldn't be explained. Investigators also found a pile of shoes on her property and believed they belonged to other victims. Unfortunately, her pigs were euthanized. I knew you'd ask. They used construction equipment to dig 136 holes around the 20-acre property, but didn't find any other human remains. They found more than 400 bone fragments that were tested and all determined to be from animals. Investigators identified other people who had been on Susan's property in the past, but were able to track them all down and confirm they were all still alive. The detectives had been confident that they would find more remains on her property, and this was a big reason. If there was somebody else, if I knew of a body somewhere else, if Steve had killed somebody and put him in the gully next to his place... Would you tell me? Yeah, he's dead. It don't matter anymore to me. If you killed somebody and put him somewhere besides your property, would you tell me? Of course not. Do you have any other property? No. That belongs to you? No. Then why wouldn't you tell me? Why should I? Because the cat's out of the bag. It's the right thing to do. It's the response. Because we're, we're at a dead end. We're not going anywhere. If, if, if I tell you where the 17 bodies out there, I'm going to be in jail for the rest of my life. If not... Susan, there's already two bodies. 
Detectives believed Susan was admitting to killing 17 other people and that she disposed of their remains somewhere off of her own property. Unfortunately, it's unlikely that we'll ever know the truth. On April 15, 2015, Susan's trial began and by this point she had changed her story once again. She pleaded not guilty to Robert Haney's murder, claiming he had already been killed by her pigs. But she pleaded not guilty to Stephen Delacino's murder because she claimed she had killed him in self-defense. Now, Susan was saying that she had confronted Stephen about her missing guns and he had attacked her. In this story, she said she had found her guns with Stephen's belongings and she had her pistol in her hand when she confronted him. They wrestled over the gun and it went off, hitting Stephen in the back of the head. That shot didn't kill him and he chased Susan into her barn where she picked up a rifle and shot him again in the head, killing him. Instead of calling the police, she fed him to her pigs. A forensic anthropologist testified that Robert's leg had been severed with an axe. There was also evidence that the bones had been chewed on by animals. This raised questions about how Robert could have gotten into the pig pen on his own. At one point during the trial, one of Susan's past cellmates, Jordan Ferris, testified that Susan had told her she and Robert had gotten into an argument while he was drunk. Jordan said that Susan told her she shot Robert in the head and then put him in the pig pen. Susan had also given Jordan a birthday card that was signed, quote, from the sweetest murderer in Jackson County. The defense said that the card sentiment was just a bad joke on Susan's part, more of the sick sense of humor she claimed to have. While the judge was giving the jury instructions before they went to deliberate, Susan stood up and asked if she could give the jury a demonstration of how she had shot Stephen. The judge ignored her, so Susan began giving the demonstration, at which point the judge had deputies remove her from the courtroom. Susan seems to be the type of person who believes that repetition equals believability. She thought that repeating the same convoluted story to the detectives over and over again would make them believe her. She thought that repeating, quote, it doesn't make sense to me, over and over again would make them believe her. She thought that demonstrating how she supposedly shot Stephen in self-defense multiple times would make the jury believe her. It turns out that they didn't. The jury only spent about an hour deliberating before finding Susan guilty on all counts. That's notable because generally, when a jury has a quick deliberation, it means the decision was easy. The jury knew just as well as you and I do that Susan was full of shit and had murdered both Robert and Stephen. The judge sentenced Susan to life in prison with a minimum term of 50 years. She'll be 115 years old before she's eligible for parole, so I think it's safe to say she's going to spend the rest of her life in prison. Despite an extensive search, no other human remains were found on her property. It's unlikely that a monster like Susan Monica only killed two other people, though. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help.
If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility. Call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by simply dialing 988 in the United States. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you may be facing. If you are a member of the LGBTQ community and suffering from discrimination, depression, or are in need of any support, please contact the LGBT National Hotline at 1-888-843-4564 or go to lgbthotline.org. Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our merchandise at thisismonsters.com. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe.